Garage Logic, broadcasting live from the office of the mayor above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. Featuring the rookie on production, Chris Reavers, vice president of social media, and John Height in the newsroom. Now, the fireworks commissioner, flashlight king, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Bear with me. Uh, we're bearing with you. 78 gorgeous, glorious degrees here. Downtown Garage Logic says the uh, bank thermometer at the Common Sense Surface Savings and Loan. Common Surface Savings and Loan. Yeah, well, I, they denied me three times for a loan, so told me they were having trouble with my paperwork. Well, I just tried to block them out of my, out of my mind. Just bear with me. We're bearing, baby. Don't forget, uh, folks, 1500ESPN.com and the Fantasy Golf Challenge. Your picks need to be complete by, what is it, 6.55? 6.55 tomorrow morning. We're just doing this afternoon. It's this fun game to play. Uh, we got a whole bunch of great prizes involved. What, you... what, can, what can be won? Oh, a and, trip and to again, Are we eliminated from winning anything? Yes, we are. Yes. Staff is I have won many of these for the station, the staff. And I don't get anything but warmest personal regards. But the folks, uh, trip to Cragen's, ooh, man, and Dutch will take care of you. Find out all the info at 1500ESPN.com. Could you imagine being up there right now with this weather? Isn't Dutch. this a perfect day? Oh, my God. What a lovely day. Uh, say, you're all aware of the raccoon that climbed the building. Yes. Uh-huh. Y- you could not uh, fail to be aware of it because it's been covered worldwide. Yeah, International. I don't understand that. It's the definition of a slow news day. Uh, and it's tr- Twitter-driven. Shark bites? No. Is this? I found something. I'm going to challenge the people who, uh, Tim Nelson, who's a great reporter, mm-hmm. He, you'd think he was in a war zone. I heard him getting interviewed. Hey, but I haven't got any sleep. I was watching the thing all night. <laughs> uh, I got, there was a better story that didn't get the attention. What's that? The St. Bernard that had to be rescued from a roof in Spring Lake Park. But did, it didn't that get story the, had irony. It didn't get the raccoon attention, that's for sure. St. Bernard's usually do the rescuing. This thing knocked out a window and went out on a little roof over the doorway of the house. 180-pound St. Bernard. Had the keg of rum, the whole yeah, deal. Yeah, right. A fire department had to come and get the, get the dog. That is irony. That didn't get any coverage. It's in the Pioneer Press. Yeah, but you're right. They're the rescue dog, that ha- and that had to be rescued. Raccoon. Come on. You know, you know what that is? It's nothing. Boy, I would have been up to about the 17th floor, looked down, and said, this is not going to end well No, for me. because reporting isn't what it used to be, and I'm willing to be uh, corrected if I missed it. In all of the accounts of this silly story, I never uh, read if the raccoon was suspected of being ill. Because the old wives' tale is, you know, raccoons out in daylight presumably are ill or maybe have rabies. Right. You've heard that, right? Yes, yes. So I looked at a variety of sites, and uh, I didn't, I couldn't find anyone who apparently was willing to address that. So I did it. Okay. All right. Let me see. I'm gonna, I want to make sure I didn't miss it. Right. Uh, uh, 
here's uh, wildlife officials say the raccoon will be taken to a random location and then release it into the wild. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a female raccoon. Okay. About a year old. Came out of the sewer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Most likely. Tim Nelson stayed up all night to watch the raccoon. <laughs> Had a, uh, what do you call it? Stayed a vigil. Up all a night. vigil. He didn't go to bed. I heard him interviewed on uh, NPR's sister station. Hmm. And he, uh... all right. Why? By the way, while you mentioned that, there was the hashtag NPR raccoon. Right. Are they in that I building? Think, I think this was Nelson's story. No, I they're think... not. They're not in that building there. Well, then why do they get the hashtag with the raccoon? Uh, maybe it was their building. But they went. It was NPR raccoon, right? Yeah. Yeah. But they're not in the USB building. Uh, they're trying, well, they're trying to claim UBS. It. UBS. Or I'm sorry, UBS Oops. building. Where is the UBS building? It's on. It's on uh, Cedar. It's the very yeah very plain gray building. I don't think that's uh, NPR. No, that's not. NPR is down at the intersection where they had to put the uh, light rail tracks on on uh, Springs. Right. So they wouldn't have any vibrations. <laughs> anyway, I looked it up. Uh, and I didn't know this, but here, you learn more here by accident than elsewhere by design. Yep. And had I been covering this story, and thank God I didn't have to, I, I would have uh, provided this information. It is not necessarily true that a raccoon seen in daylight is problematic. Female uh, raccoons are busy, especially if they have young. They go out and get food. Okay. They got to fatten up so they can nurse the whole deal. And uh, presumably, this raccoon was not ill. It did, because here are the five signs difficulty walking. Well, if a raccoon can climb to the top of that building, I would say it did not have difficulty walking. All four things are working. Looks confused, disoriented, or slow. Uh, That did not appear to be the case. Makes crazy noises. Uh, there's been no, there were no reports of this uh, raccoon making crazy noises. I don't know what a crazy noise made by a raccoon would sound like. Yeah, versus the normal. It'd be noise. like this. Yeah. <laughs> Foaming at the mouth. Yeah. No, every photograph of the raccoon's face showed a pleasant face. Boy, and what a chump though for cat food, huh? Just plain looks sick. Well, it, it didn't apparently. Uh, so. Out during the daytime is totally normal for raccoons. We're, we're disabusing the entire world of that folklore that a raccoon in daylight is automatically a problem. That is not the case. Okay, I guess I can even further that. If you go on an airboat, uh, one of those big, huge um, fan boats down in Florida, yeah, and in the, in the backwaters, mm-hmm. they will stop at a place where there is... 25 raccoons because they got to feed the raccoons a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they're all out in the daylight and they're fine. Well, and the other part of the folklore is that raccoon raccoons have a fear of of humans. And that is not the case. Uh, many healthy raccoons have no fear of people. Right. So I got all this from Raccoon Attic Guide. God, I didn't even know there was one. Well, you is know, there a you, magazine? You you Google you get the magazine? No, you Google raccoon in daylight, and you get you know six million oh. sites you can go to. And this one was a site uh, dedicated to apparently uh, uh, telling people how to keep raccoons out of their attics. Uh, but it also included this information. So I, I think I'm contributing something new to this story, even though it's completely owned mm-hmm. uh, by Minnesota Public Radio. It's their story. Yeah, it's well, their raccoon. 
Well, they had, I mean. This was a, this very likely is an extremely healthy female raccoon. And now will be, how do they know where to put it? Now it could be hit over the head with a shovel somewhere and nobody but, be ever the wiser. But I loved watching the reactions of of people who I you you could tell have never lived outside of city limits. Apparently not. Oh, you got to bring it to somebody's house and feed no, it. Thing's going to bite you. What what planet do you people live on? Despite this it's uh, a raccoon. Despite right. this news I'm pr- providing that it's presumably a healthy raccoon or if you see a raccoon in daylight that does, is that is not exhibiting any signs of illness? Yeah. You're, it's still wise counsel to give it a birth. Give it a wide birth. Hey, come on. Get. Yeah. Scat. Yeah. So there, I just thought I'd So you it. just found that on the internet. Oh, you can you can get it. You know, I can get you a raccoon news by 3 o'clock. The internet is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also solved my problem from yesterday. The electric window. I went to a, uh, I Googled it. What if the, uh, the car I drive, uh, the back window doesn't open? Yeah. And somebody said... Go to the driver's side, press down on the driver's side window for 30 seconds. It will reset itself. Even though even though it's down? And even In though, a down position, you hold the button for 30 seconds? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so it did it. And what then, vehicle is this? Uh, it's a 2000, it's McLaren's car. A Beamer? Yeah. Yeah, well, thank God it worked. That would have cost you a couple right. grand. <laughs> so, and then, boom, it popped in, it worked. I was all set to run to the... New Central Auto Body to get it fixed, mm-hmm. but they, uh, I didn't have to do You know that what, thing. that, your little uh, tale got me wondering, is there such a thing as roll-up windows in a car anymore? I mean, regular crank windows? Yeah. I don't think there is. That's a really I good can't, question. I can't picture a new car with roll-up windows, crank crank windows. I, I uh, I'm trying to think that... The last time I saw one in the, the newest car, and I, I can't recall in my mind. Do those guys, when you come rolling in, yeah, do their eyes just light up oh, with glee? Boy. Yeah. I see given, you coming. I've given... Uh, Don't worry, boys. Paycheck's made. Reavers, I, Google this for me. Sure. Do any new cars still have a hand crank windows? Do Lieutenant Dan. Mm-hmm. I've given my cousin at New Central an awful lot of business. <laughs> oh, it's a family operation. Family operation. We lost a GLer though. Great GLer, her husband Paul. Yeah. Paul Bloomer was a huge garage logician, and we lost him earlier this year. But uh, Paula and Adam and the gang over there are taking over. Right, yeah, apparently, but... you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is according to Car and Driver. Mm-hmm. But you apparently have to request it. Okay. Come on. So it's extra. Well, I'm, my guess is it's because it's, uh, what would you call it, Pull stock. it off the line and... Yeah. That, that makes sense. Just a moment. Okay. And now, a man who has never had a relationship with a tree, Joe Souchere. George H.W. <laughs> what? I, uh, <laughs> what happened? We well, stumbled down the YouTube rabbit hole. I, I got an idea because there was no audio with the email that you just sent me. It was strictly video. Mm-hmm. So oh. I, I, I Googled a <laughs> raccoon fight. Yeah. And there's, I, I can't play the audio because he swears. He's swearing. But, but this <laughs> guy lets the raccoon out. Watch. He lets him out. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, the thing charges him. Yeah. And he just smacks it with the broom. Yeah. But it was the guy crapped his pants. It was very funny. All right. Phones? 
Is it Doug? Oh, Joe, it's Doug. Hi. 2018 Nissan Versa base model uh, crank windows. A lot of companies uh, use them for fleet vehicles, for couriers or delivery services. All right, very good. Thank you. 2018. Wow. Jim? Yeah, Joe, there's a half a dozen of them listed here. Ford Fiesta, Nissan Versa, Chevrolet Sonic, Kia Rio. But interesting, it says manual windows are also common in full-size trucks. I'll be darned. Thank you. Yep. Uh, uh, again, the listeners are doing the work that I asked Reavers to do. You mean all the guys that are listening at Mauer Chev and Valley Olds, all the sales guys. Joe? Hey, two things. I got an 08 Cobalt about my high school kid to drive, blah, blah, blah. All those buddies, not a clue how to use a crank window. It's hilarious. They sit there and they press the button on the end of the crank and sit there and stare and wonder why the window don't go up. Holy man. It's the funniest, it is. It's the funniest thing you ever want to see. All right, thank it, you. It just cracks me up. But on the raccoon front, yeah. don't let anybody kill you. They're kid you. These things are little monsters. Oh, they're horrible. I work in the rec- oh, I work in a wrecking business, and these little suckers get into the buildings and stuff, and yeah. you can... You know, you open the door in the dark, and there's these beady little eyes staring at you. The press makes these things out to look like some fuzzy little Disney character that want to hug you. Yeah. No, no. They want to eat your eyes out of your head. That's they're, right. They're horrible little monsters. Right. And, yeah. Thank you for venting. All right. The wrecking. We got guys that work in the wrecking business. I bet demo's fun. George H.W. Bush turned 94 yesterday. Wow. And that was a milestone. Do you know why? He is the... Uh, it is the oldest a former president has lived. That's a pretty good guess. That's yeah. yeah. I I think it's I think we can broaden it. You're on the right track. I think okay. we can broaden it. Or just the period the oldest living president period? No. He's the first president ever to have reached 94. Okay. That's oh, the way okay. I'm reading it. Okay. Was Jimmy Carter's not thing? far behind. Jimmy Carter's 93. Hmm. Well, he can't catch no, him. You're, gonna, you're a peanut farmer. You're going to live forever. What do you mean he can't catch him? Well, I guess, yeah. I, H.W. buys the farm tomorrow, and, and he Jimmy's got to wait another six months. Sure. Bing, bang, boom. Yeah. Uh, okay, Carter isn't far behind at 93. He'll celebrate his 94th on October 1st. Two other former U.S. presidents made it to 93. Can you name them? And this, uh, again, this is as surprising to me as the uh, the raccoons out in daylight. I had no idea that uh, George H.W. Uh, has now become the oldest president in history. How about, and two others. Okay. Two others. Uh, Do they have a feud? No. Oh. Two other former U.S. presidents made it to 93, Ronald Reagan and Gerald Ford. So really? what this tells you is this is a testament to our increasing lifespans. You know, the guys yes. back in the 1800s didn't make it to 90. But I'm shocked because the physical change, whether you're a one-termer or a two-termer, the physical challenges and the changes you make being president, it seems like it would just wear you down and take years off your I, life. I think I think Obama was going and have makeup put on. Excellent. Kind of greatest hair some hair. Well, yeah. Throwing some baking powder in there to make it the, look. The Trumper isn't aging. No, he's well, he, and he'd be fighting. <laughs> he'd be he not, color he's, my hair. Yeah. Isn't that something? I did not know that. I would have just made the assumption that in uh, throughout our history, uh, some former president uh, made it to 95, and that's not the case. Hmm. George H.W. Bush is now the oldest uh, president to, uh, the only president to have achieved 
an age of uh, of ninety four. Well, look at that. Then it's Carter. No wait, Carter's going to be Ford, Carter, Carter Reagan, Bush. Yeah. All <laughs> all in the last consecutively modern. Yeah. Time. Wait wait, Ford, Carter, Reagan, Bush, Sid. Right. I'm being advised. <laughs> I'm being advised that Reavers comment. That Carter can't catch Bush deserves a coin in the well, can and scan oh, bucket. Yeah, you knew what I meant. I He's always going to be younger than him until we sadly no, will lose the no, president. No. There you go. No. He's not always going to be younger than him. If H- I, I love H.W. He's yeah. a close personal friend of mine. Yeah, you you hung with him. I hung with him. Yes. Uh, but I don't think he'll make it to October. He's uh, he's he's on borrowed time. No, and he lost his he's gal. He so he's not. Gal. They're not going to be. And and so if Carter uh, just has to get to ninety four on October first, yep, and then figure out how much longer he has to live, and then he'll be the oldest. Wow! When you get old, do you start thinking about how long you're going to live? Uh huh. <laughs> and that you can be yes. a good that's the only way you're a good waiter yes, that's the do. only time you're a I'll good wait. waiter yeah, I'll I can wait. wait but yeah you do to answer the question yes it begins to creep into your thoughts wow yeah like this is my you know seventh to last Christmas or something like that oh I can't think that well no I I, I don't get that precise oh. but I, I had a fleeting thought today we were doing my US Open picks for the oh, yeah, uh, I gotta do mine. Yep. for the game, and I had a fleeting thought. I wonder how many US, more U.S. Opens I'll see, and then it quickly left my mind. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not obsessed with this. Yeah, this is what you are. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. We wonder how many more he's going to see too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Why are you making funny noises? Get it? You were, um, you were asleep for the final. What final? Well, you were telling us that's how you spend Father's Day. Is you watch the U.S. Open and you're left alone. That's your thing. I don't. What's sleeping have to do with it? I was being sarcastic. Oh, like you were, you just were sleeping. I'm not left alone. It's just my request that you know every TV that I pass has to have the open on. I see. Anyway, uh, happy birthday to George H. W. When you, okay, wait for Father's Day. I got a, I got a, a protocol yes. question. Yeah. Yes. When you are told. When you're to ask, what do you want to do for Father's Day? Do you still, I mean, do you still kind of say what you think she wants to do or hear? Or do you all out Hell no. be selfish and say, <laughs> does she have to do with I'm that? going bowling. No. I don't, okay. uh, I don't uh, think. He ain't my father. I don't <laughs> think much about it at all, to okay. tell you the truth. I, I have no plans. It's okay. not a big deal. Just you know, I'll probably get some socks. Yep. You know, tie, new shoes, cologne, hey, no, no, English I, leather. I don't get any of that. Is height ready <laughs> for the cowboy in your life, Stanson? Policy Rogers. Commencing garage line number three. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. My bad, Johnny. Pardon me. It's sunny and 78 degrees. This update brought to you by the Duluth Trading Company. Visit Duluth Trading Company stores in Fridley, Bloomington, Woodbury, and downtown Duluth. A-Ray Adrianza with a grand slam. The Twins hold on to beat the Tigers 6-4 to last night. Uh, they will play again tonight in Detroit. Jose Barrios pitches for the Twins. Lefty Matt Boyd on the mound for the Tigers. Uh, another bad thing happened to the Tigers besides the loss last night. They lost slugger Miguel Cabrera for the rest of the season. He ruptured his left biceps tendon. And
and will be out the rest of the year. That's quite a blow to their hopes. It is. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they're doing better than they were expected to, and uh, I don't think this, uh, this will help them much at all. St. Paul Saints manager George Samus earned his 1,000th victory last night of his career in the Saints 6-5 win over Fargo-Moorhead. He's the fourth manager in the history of independent league baseball to reach that milestone. He's in his 20th season as a pro manager, his 16th year as the manager of the Saints. Previously managed Waterbury and New Jersey in the Northern League. Uh, Saints will play Fargo-Moorhead again tonight at CHS Field. News notes from today. How old do you think he is? Mm. He pitched in the early 80s, right? I believe. Or who? Briefly with the Twins. Oh, very, really? Very briefly. Uh, so he must be 60? Huh? All right. I was going to say, uh, perhaps foolishly, could a guy like that ever get a chance to manage in the big leagues? Yeah, I don't think he will right. at this point. Yeah. Right. Uh, news notes from today. That driver with a revoked license who led officers on a chase in Minneapolis and subsequently hit three children on a playground at Bohennan Park has now been charged. According to the complaint, 27-year-old Kabar Walin Asim Raspal Jr. How many names does this guy have? One, two, three, four, five, and wow. Jr. Okay. Yep. He's been charged with two felony-level counts of fleeing an officer and causing great and substantial bodily harm, two gross misdemeanor-level counts of criminal vehicular operation, and one gross misdemeanor-level count of possessing a pistol without a permit. Maybe it's axiomatic that the more names you have, the more likely you are to be a criminal. Probably. Two-year-old Caden Peltier, four-year-old Liliana Peltier were the most severely injured in the accident. Both suffered life-threatening injuries, according to the Highway Patrol. A three-year-old Connor Peltier was less seriously hurt. North Memorial Medical Center in Robbinsdale has said it will not be releasing updates on the conditions of the children, whose family moved to the North Minneapolis area in March. The pursuit lasted about six minutes, primarily through residential streets, had the patrol squads and the SUV topping 80 miles an hour, according to the complaint. Officers say Paul ran at least 22 stop signs during that pursuit. A search of his vehicle revealed a 9mm handgun that had a magazine with ammunition inserted and an extra magazine with ammunition attached to a holster. Authorities learned Powell does not have a license to carry that handgun. They also found drug paraphernalia. According to the complaint, uh, Caden suffered a a grade 4 spleen injury, meaning a severe laceration to the organ, calling for his spleen to be removed. Also suffered a pelvic fracture, a cervical spine fracture, and intracranial bleeding. You know what a cervical spine fracture means? What? He broke his neck. neck, Wow. Uh, Liliana suffered a hematoma on her forehead as well as abrasions on her head, chest, hip, and left elbow. She also has bleeding between the brain and tissue covering the brain, according to the complaint. Additionally, two state troopers suffered minor head injuries during the incident. They were examined and released from the hospital. The most seriously injured is two? Is uh, it two-year-old? The four-year-old. four-year-old. Yeah. I think. The oh, no, you're right. The two-year-old. I'm sorry. Two-year-old. Years old. I think yes. the only, uh, there's no silver lining, but there the, is no silver the best lining. part is being so young you might be a little more repairable, I, I would I hope. I don't know. I have no idea. But let's, okay, let's, uh, this guy's got to go away for forever. Uh, oh, for, 50 yeah. years. Why, why should yep. he ever get out? No, ever, yeah. forever, yeah. not 50 years. He can't forever. function in society. No. He's selling drugs. He's done. He's got a gun. You missed your chance. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. You missed your chance. Minneapolis Public Schools has closed a $33 million budget gap with their vote last night. Months of controversial discussion culminated in the decision, which comes with some cuts, including to teacher and staff positions. District officials said for the first time in a decade, they have a balanced budget that doesn't rely on reserve funds. The Minneapolis Board of Education approved it 8-1. to The opposing member said it's not equitable and doesn't do enough for special education. 
The budget eliminates 300 full-time positions, which district officials said is about 5% of the district's overall staff. About 165 teaching positions will be cut. The board has also asked for voters' help in November. Two referendum questions will be on the ballot. The first will ask voters to increase the existing operating levy to the state-allowed maximum. The second would allow the district to shift millions in technology expenses away from the general fund. District officials said that's in an effort to increase operating revenues by $30 million. Board unanimously approved placing those questions on the ballot. Somebody had a really good idea. I don't remember who sent it into the radio station here. A great way to save money is uh, take away half of the school districts and make those other ones get bigger. And just think of how many supers, how much money you'll save you on supers. Get rid of half your supers. Half your supers, mm-hmm. and then the other supers have got to pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said he expected major disarmament in North Korea within two and a half years. And meanwhile, North Korea is already spitting the results of the summit between President Trump and Kim Jong-un in its favor. The media there telling its people it had won major concessions from the U.S. during the discussions. The authoritarian country's state-controlled news media said that the president had promised to eventually lift sanctions against the North and to end joint military drills with South Korea. It also said the U.S. had agreed to a phased step-by-step denuclearization process for the North rather than the immediate dismantling of its nuclear capability. Michael Cohen, President Trump's personal lawyer, looking for a new legal team to represent him in an FBI investigation into his business dealings. A person familiar with the matter told the Associated Press today that Cohen's current legal team uh, will stop handling the case and that Cohen has begun a hunt for new attorneys. It wasn't immediately clear what prompts the change or who would take over. The person uh, spoke to the AP on the condition of anonymity, also noted that Cohen has not yet held any discussions with prosecutors about potentially cooperating in his investigation. We had some primaries yesterday. Uh, Among those winning, Dennis Hoff. Anybody remember Dennis Hoff? Dennis is Dennis? the, uh, he's a hotelier. Um, it's a nice way to put it, maybe. Yeah, yeah. He's the owner of a half dozen legal brothels in Nevada. And <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. if you ever watch the series Cat House on HBO. I never have. He was the star of that. I, I saw some episodes. I have seen that a couple times. Yeah, you know he is, then, yes, Dennis yeah. Hoff. Yep. He won the Republican primary for the state legislature, ousting a three-term lawmaker, Hoff defeated hospital executive James Oscarson. He'll face Democrat Alicia Romanov in November and will be the favored candidate in the Republican-leading Assembly District. Hoff celebrated his win at a party in Pahrump with Hollywood Madam Heidi Fleiss at his side. Hoff told the associates... What if he run, Are they union shops? Uh, his, uh, uh, that's his a good brothel? question. Uh, yeah, it, uh, she got uh, tenure. You got seniority. You got to take yeah. Agnes there. She's 95. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hoff uh, said, uh, told the Associated Press, it's all because Donald Trump was Christopher Columbus for me. He found the way and I jumped in on it. Hoff, who wrote a book titled The Art of the Pimp. This is, we're, we're, it's See, over. now he's, it's, now it's he's gone over. too far. He, you know, we've, we've jumped the shark. It's I think over. Is, yeah. yeah. He's dubbed himself the Trump of Pahrump and held a rally with longtime Trump advisor Roger Stone. Hoff was in the limelight in 2015 when former NBA player Lamar Odom was found unconscious at his Love Ranch brothel in Crystal, Nevada. If he wins November, it wouldn't be the only brothel owner elected in Nevada. Lance Gilman is the owner of the famous Mustang Ranch in northern Nevada. He's a Story County commissioner. An 18-wheeler carrying 55 people stopped on the north side of San Antonio last night. 
Officials haven't said where the people were from or where they were going, but U.S. Border Patrol and Immigration and Customs Enforcement agents were called in. The San Antonio Fire Department rescued the people. Several were young teens. Some of the 55 treated by emergency medical services personnel for minor injuries. Remaining 50 people were taken to a detention center. Officials say the truck was air-conditioned. The people had water in the trailer, but they say they were hungry. Mm. Uh, Is Dave Dahl available? Yes, sir. You'll learn more here by accident than elsewhere by design. Here's Joe Suchere. Say Dave Dahl and his forecast on this beautiful afternoon in Garage Logic, brought to you by Metafast Weight Control Centers. Call one eight five five results today. Here's Dave Dahl. Ready for the heat, Joe? Yes, it's I love gonna, it. It's going to start to head this way. 78 right now out there, heading for a high today of about 82 degrees. Partly cloudy skies. Little cluster of thunderstorms in South Dakota that's going to uh, kind of nick southwestern Minnesota. But for us here in the Twin Cities, just stays partly cloudy, warm tomorrow, 84. Friday, we're pushing the high up to 90. Will be humid as well, some isolated thunderstorms possible. I think most of those will favor the early morning on Friday. And then as the warm front comes through, it jumps up to 93 on Saturday, 92 on Sunday. Will be humid through the weekend as well. Nighttime thunderstorms are a possibility both Saturday night and Sunday night. And then on Monday, turning a little bit cooler, low 80s for highs, some scattered showers and storms. A cool front kind of drops our highs and keeps them there in the lower 80s most of next week. But today, ah, not bad out there. Going for a high of about 82. Right now we're at 78, Joe. Thank you. I don't know if this is a case of windmilling, but many of the homeless in America are young and are voluntarily vagrant. They are voluntarily choosing to be homeless. Really? And they have names. I didn't know that they had. there was a name for this phenomenon. Crusty punks. Okay, never heard of that. Crusties, gutter punks, and crumb bums. Uh, the group of young adults has rejected a traditional 9-to-5 lifestyle in favor of train hopping, panhandling, and voluntary homelessness. So where, I, where I'm suge- suspecting that we might have a case of windmilling is that the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings, uh, the more likely you are to be led by Mysterians who, of course, ideologically uh, would embrace the homeless, as we all should care, but ideologically uh, would uh, find them to be a a group that they could identify politically and would go out of their way to be accommodating. But it's gotten so bad that the, the, uh, the lefties who run the big cities don't know what to do. It's particularly bad in Berkeley. So can you be homeless if you're volunteering to be homeless? In Berkeley, famously known as one of the country's most liberal and homeless-friendly communities, the city council recently voted to implement new regulations including limits on sitting down and lying on sidewalks, a ceiling on how many dogs a person can have along a commercial strip, and designations for what homeless people are allowed to sit on. This is Berkeley. Why do you want to even have a dog, let alone more than one? Uh, who's the comedian that I love who played Burt Reynolds? Uh, help me. Uh, uh, Norm MacDonald. Norm MacDonald did a great, had a great bit about the uh, homeless guy with a dog. You know, the dog didn't really sign up for that. <laughs> yeah. Dog wants three hots and a cot. No one in this room believes homelessness is a good thing, Councilwoman Sophie Hahn said, according to the news site Berkeley Side. Yet, through massive failures of our society and our way of life, it's a persistent reality in California and across the U.S. 
groin kick her. Well, you don't have to. I don't have audio. Don't. Okay. What the hell are you talking about? The massive failures of our society and our way of life. They're voluntarily homeless. Right. Uh, it's it's difficult to see how extensive the problem is, given the itinerant nature and wariness of those involved. Experts cannot say how many crusties there are across the country, nor is there an easy explanation for why many of these young adults, upper middle class and rich kids among them, take up such a difficult lifestyle. But after speaking with crusties around the country and with researchers who have spent time studying the trend, it's clear there's a consensus that despite a shared pension for dreadlocks, hiking backpacks, and dogs, gutter punks are very diverse. Uh, in the East Village in New York, it's a big problem. Mm. Uh, many, of course, are not voluntarily uh, vagrant, uh, but the socioeconomic background does not, uh, it, it's all over the map for these kids. They're deciding to be homeless, uh, which is one ray of hope for winter here. That kind of keeps it down a little bit. Is that like a hobo? Yeah, it's tough. But to they don't be, go anywhere. It's tough to be homeless in Minnesota six months a year. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, uh, crusties themselves say the situation on the street has gotten worse, and the highly potent. Oh, they're talking about fentanyl use, and and a lot of them are uh, heroin users and drug users. But when it comes to you know, this is going to be a big problem for the Melvin Carters and Jacob Fries of the world, just mm-hmm. like it is in Berkeley. How they're going to accommodate them? Because in the salon, in the salon, you would you would politically identify the homeless as a victim group. Right. But then suddenly they're going to be causing so much uh, angst uh, in your uh, general population that you're going to have to do something about it. And that's why I think it's almost a case of windmilling, particularly in a city like Berkeley, which fancies itself uh, home to the or, uh, friendly to the homeless, but then also features such council uh, people as this ridiculous Sophie Hahn saying that this is the failure of society and our uh, way of life. No, it's not. B as in B. S as in S, lady. Right. Uh, the drug use, panhandling, unruly dogs, and the crusty's general presence on street corners and in front of stores have all become too much for some cities, triggering local government crackdowns. The current status quo of the park, we're talking about a park in Berkeley, serves no one's interest, least of all the homeless people who occasionally use the park. Dan Mugaloff, a spokesman for UC Berkeley, told Fox News. So they've got a uh, uh, the Jacob Fries and Melvin Carters of the world. <laughs> are uh, They're going to have to come down out of the salon at some point, right. and they're going to have to handle this. Five. Here in the TCL broadcast studios, I cannot wait until tomorrow at this time. Why? So I can have the U.S. Open on this 55-inch flat-screen TV by TCL. I just made my picks right now. I'm taking you on. You want my open prediction? Uh, yes. I, I can't get a feel for it, so uh, uh, I predict the uh, <laughs> open will be won by a player who has not previously won a major. I don't like Woods' chances. I don't like Mickelson's chances. You can't discount Dustin Johnson. I don't like Spieth's chances. I say it'll be won by somebody who's never won a major. Okay. Well, that's fun because I like when new people win. 1500 ESPN is KSTP, St. Paul, Minneapolis. It's 78 degrees. More Garage Logic coming up shortly.